Section 10 of Red Rubber, The Story of the Rubber Slave Trade on the Congo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Red Rubber, The Story of the Rubber Slave Trade on the Congo by Edmund Dean Moore. Section 10. The Deeds, Part 3. Bond Charles of the Congo Balolo Mission, in a letter published in December 1903, says of the ABIR concession territory, I have the evidence of a number of men working for us at the present time that at their own town on the Bosomo River numbers of men have been killed outright, and others have died from having their hands cut off because they would not submit to demands. Casement Roger, see above. To give a summary of Consul Casement's report describing the condition of affairs observed by him in 1903, which would convey to the reader a just notion of its cumulative force, would be impossible, without devoting to it more space than I can afford. The area affected is the riverbank region on the main highway of the Leopoldian civilization. Here are a few short summaries. A village of 240 people all told, compelled to produce one ton of carefully prepared foodstuffs every week, at a price far below the current figure. Other villages in much the same situation forced to carry their tax long distances. A group of villages whose population in 1887 was 5,000, now reduced to 500. Raids and slaughter for delay in paying food taxes. Page 26. Insufficiency of food accountable for much of the sickness prevalent. Page 28. Monstrous and illegal fines for shortage in food supplies or rubber, impoverishing the people and leading to general wretchedness and despair. Natives fleeing from the white man, where formerly they greeted him with open arms. Villages taxed in gum copal to an almost incredible extent. A group of villages working all the year round and subject to the usual punishments for shortage, producing per town three hundred pounds per annum value in gum copal, receiving ten pounds per annum as a return. A native of Montaka, a typical case, produces some twelve pounds of gum copal per annum and receives in exchange one shilling and four pence for his entire year's work the value of an adult fowl, according to local prices. Mutilation and outrage frequent and habitual. Slavery forced upon the people, that is, selling relatives, in order to meet state demands. Women taken to hostage houses before the consul's eyes, their menfolk guilty of shortage in rubber, etc., etc., I would earnestly beg every reader of this volume to spend eight and a half pence and write to Messrs. Harrison and Sons, St. Martin's Lane, for a copy of the report. Africa, number 1, 1904. Berthier, Leon, Frenchman, visited the Upper Congo and spent some time in the country, 1899 to 1901. His diary was published by the Colonial Institute of Marseille in 1902. Area Riverbanks, North and Central Region, Domaine Privé. Here are short extracts. Belgian post of Imes well constructed. The chef de poste is absent. He has gone to punish the village of Mbachi, guilty of being a little late in paying the rubber tax. 
A canoe full of Congo State soldiers returns from the pillage of Mbachi. Thirty killed, fifty wounded. At three o'clock arrive at Mbachi, the scene of the bloody punishment of the chef de poste at Imes. Poor village. The debris of miserable huts. One goes away humiliated and saddened from these scenes of desolation, filled with indescribable feelings. Gilchrist Somerville of the Congo Balolo Mission, in a letter of protest to the Governor-General on the condition of the people of the Lolanga district, July 1903. Area, Riverbanks and Central Region, Domaine Privé. Describes exorbitant fines and monstrous taxation levied upon these people by the state. Eight years ago there was a population in these towns of at least 5,000 people, compared with the 1,200 today. The people themselves are literally starving to keep up these supplies. There was the usual bogus inquiry, which came to nothing. Frame W.B. of the British Baptist Missionary Society, in a letter to the author dated March 10, 1904, describes the state of the country as noted by him in a trip upriver in 1903. I am convinced that, with the exception of this very limited district, Lower Congo, and perhaps that of Stanley Falls, the title of Slave State is very fitting to the regime that exists. As I traversed the old caravan road to the pool, my eyes were opened. Crowds of people passed me every now and then, bearing heavy loads of kwanga, cassava puddings for the state. Some were little girls of twelve years of age carrying eight and ten, some of the women converted into sweating beasts of burden, for besides the twelve kwanga on the head they often had a baby on the back. Some were men, and some were little boys. What the state demands is that such and such a town shall bring in, say, 250 kwanga every fourth, eighth, or twelfth day, according to the distance. What it means to the people is nothing to the state, and the cry of the women who have to grind from morning to night to provide and often to carry is not heard by the state officer. The labor is forced. The natives have no time for anything else. They are slaves. All up the river is the same thing. At one place where crowds of people ought to have been on the beach, we found the whole town had fled. Young and old, male and female, were hiding in the bush because the fish tax was not complete. We visited a town near Lisali, where the people had recently come from inland to escape the cruelties of the rubber tax. Frame, W.B., Howell John, Kempton S.C., Kirkland R.K., all missionaries of the British Baptist Society, were descending the Congo on the missionary steamer Goodwill when, on October 29, 1903, they came across, when turning a bend of the river, the following scene at the native village of Yanjali, where the steamer was wont to call for fuel. The town was occupied by a party of Congo government soldiers under two white officers. The four missionaries on board were horrified to see the native soldiers of the administration, under the very eyes of their officers, engaged in mutilating dead bodies of natives who had just been killed. Three native bodies were lying near the river's edge as the goodwill put into the banks, and human limbs were lying within a few yards of the steamer as she sought to make fast. One of the slaughtered natives was a child. A state soldier was seen drawing away the legs and other portions of the human body. 
another soldier was seen standing by a large native basket in which were the viscera of a human body. The missionaries were promptly ordered off the beach by the two officers presiding over this human shambles. Mr. Frame, in the letter to the author, confirms the accuracy of the above account. Time can never wipe the barbarous scene from our memory. The mutilated dead, the mad rushing and firing of the soldiers let loose, and the hasty flight of the poor people hunted from their homes like wild beasts, made us sick at heart. And when we looked into the faces of our black crew we were ashamed. For were not these things done in the name of the state, and under the eyes of its white officers? It is advisable to bear in mind that this incident occurred three years ago, on the main pathway of civilization. Imagine what must take place in centers removed from prowling missionaries. Williams A. R. of the Christian Missionary Alliance of New York, and Mr. Hall of West Indian Missionary of Good Family, trained at the Calabar College, Kingston, Jamaica, attached to the Baptist Missionary Society of Boston, describe in letters to the author published in 1904 the impoverished condition of the natives of the Lower Congo, whose condition is one of Elysian bliss compared with their tortured and oppressed brethren in the vast upper region. They live on, getting more impoverished every year, says Mr. Hall. The soldiers, says Mr. Williams, are a perfect terror to the whole place. They rape the women, clear the villages of livestock, and generally behave in the most oppressive manner. De La Mothe, ex-governor of French Congo, testifying before the Cotel Commission held in Paris in 1900 to inquire into the working of the concessionaire system, stated in reply to questions that 30,000 natives had crossed from Congo State into French territory owing to the ill-treatment meted out to them. The American Memorial to Congress presented through Senator Morgan on April 19, 1904, contains long accounts from several American missionaries working in the Congo as to the state of affairs prevailing. It is always the same story. Here are some extracts. Area, Central Region, Domaine Privé. Leighton, A.E., reports on children forced to work for the state, and the system of hostages or prisoners to compel labor. Dr. Leon writes, A close acquaintance with the conditions shows the cogency of the natives' contentions that they are no less than slaves to the state. And as slaves I have observed they must sometimes make bricks without straw, as when one must furnish fish nearly the year around, and he can catch fish only at certain seasons. Then one is forced to buy in other parts, paying in this way ten to forty times what will be received in return from the state post. To meet these obligations, one of the remaining members of a once large family had to pawn, i.e., sell into slavery, a younger member of his family. The poor people of this section, Bolengi, near Coquihatville, are broken-spirited and poverty-stricken by an arbitrary and oppressive system of taxation. Billington A.E. reports from Buembu. Men are first applied for, and if they do not present themselves, a soldier or soldiers are sent, who tie up the women or the chiefs until the workmen are forthcoming. Clark Joseph reports, 
I have seen men and women chained by the neck being driven by an armed soldier. The native has no desire for the improvement of his surroundings. He will not make a good house or large gardens, because it will give the state a greater hold on him. His wife refuses to become a mother, because she will not be able to run away, in the case of attack. Twice this week the people of Ikoko have been rushing off to the bush to hide on the approach of a large canoe of soldiers. And so on, ad infinitum et nauseam. Morris and William, see above. 1898-1902 First accounts made public in 1900. Morrison sent a private personal appeal to King Leopold on October 21, 1899. Area, Southwestern Region, Kasai. Describes raiding by state officers and soldiers around Luebo, efforts being made to compel the Baluba population of Luebo, consisting of several thousands, to remove to Luluaborg, the state station, five days distant, where they would have to work. In July 1899, heard that a large body of Zaposaps, a cannibal tribe, armed and utilized by the state to force rubber from the natives, as irregulars in fact, were forcing rubber tribute in the Benapianga county. Similar information reached Shepherd, Morrison's colleague, at a station nearer the scene of the disturbances. A number of the prominent chiefs of the region had been invited by the Saposaps to a conference and treacherously murdered. Shepherd went to the spot. He was received in a friendly way by the Saposaps, saw many burnt villages. In the raiders' stockade where the slaughter had taken place, Shepherd saw and counted eighty-one human hands slowly drying over a fire. Outside the stockade more than two score bodies he counted. Some of the flesh had been carved off and eaten. Some of the supposups were armed with the Albini. On May 5, 1903, Morrison addressed the public meeting convened by the Aborigines Protection Society and gave a number of details of the reign of terror in June, July and August 1902 in his district, chiefly dealing with man-hunting by state officers and troops to recruit soldiers. Gilchrist, Somerville, see above, in comments on the report of the Commission of Inquiry. Published in C.R.A. Oregon, December 1905. Area, Riverbanks, Central Region, Domaine Privé. Gives in abundant detail effects of state taxes upon the people covering many years. With regard to the causes of depopulation in the Lolanga district where I have lived for fourteen years, I emphatically affirm that for one who has died of sleeping sickness, there have been twenty deaths due to lung and intestinal diseases, and for one death due to smallpox, there have been forty due to lung and intestinal troubles. The lung and intestinal troubles are without doubt due, in a very large proportion of the cases, to exposure involved in collecting the taxes, and in hiding from the soldiers in the forest, as well as the miserable huts the natives now live in, because they have neither time nor heart to build better. And all the diseases mentioned with the others find ready victims in the half-fed people, and produce their fell work with a greater rapidity and effect. 
So strong is the passion for rubber and copal that the companies and the state on the various rivers are continually having disputes about their respective boundaries and overlapping in what they claim to be each other's territory in the interior between the tributaries and the main Congo. It was one of the commonest occupations of the commissaires to be settling these disputes, and it was a very frequent cause of bloody affrays between the natives serving the various companies or state, the trespassing on each other's parts of the forest while out gathering the rubber to meet the respective demands made upon them. Whitehead, John, of the British Baptist Missionary Society, testified before the Commission of Inquiry on the history of his district, Lukulela. Evidence suppressed, part published in the C.R.A. Organ for December 1905. Mr. Whitehead's statement traces the history of the district from 1891 to 1905. First food taxes, then rubber taxes, and food taxes. Until then there had been no demand for rubber. When that demand was made and the people objected, an expedition went inland about the end of 1901. The prowess of the state force was exhibited, chiefs killed, villages destroyed, and the payment of the tax enforced. Gives depositions of chiefs and much evidence, protesting to the Governor-General in a letter dated April 19, 1904, he calls attention to the system prevailing, forcing lads to sign on for twelve years as laborers. Ruskin, Mrs., of the Congo Balolo Mission in comment upon the report of the Commission of Inquiry, published in C.R.A. Organ for December 1905. She describes the beginning of the rubber traffic in the ABIR concession. It is interesting to hear the Bongandanga people tell of the beginning of the rubber trade. How wonderful they thought it was that the white men should want rubber and be willing to pay for it. That was in the days antecedent to the decree of 1891. Author. How they almost fought for the baskets in order to bring them in and obtain the offered riches. But they say, we did not know, we never understood what it would become in the future. Now it is looked upon as the equivalent of death. They do not complain so much of want of payment as that there is no rest from the work and no end to it except death. I have known women to be taken as hostages without any regard to their condition during pregnancy or the period of lactation. They were made to work in the sun at grass work or weeding, some were confined in the common prison or hostage house without any privacy, and obliged to be back at work again in a few days with their babies at their backs. The hostage house was described to me by a woman who had been imprisoned there, and the details would be unprintable. Only two epidemics of smallpox have been known in the memory of living natives of Bongandanga, one in 1901, and the other fifteen or twenty years before. Sleeping sickness was absolutely unknown until about four years ago. The people are easy victims to it because of lack of food and rest and exposure to damp, rain, and cold. Also, they are fast losing any desire to live, and therefore do not try to throw off the terrible lethargy which so soon overcomes them. Messrs. Gilchrist, Weeks, and other missionaries are unanimous in describing the ravages of diseases, 
sleeping sickness, intestinal trouble, pneumonia, etc., to the wretched condition of the people owing to the grinding tyranny under which they live, to supply King Leopold and his financiers with revenues, and his soldiers and their crowd of retainers with foodstuffs. Lower, Mr. and Mrs., of the Congo Balolo Mission at Ikao. ABIR Concession described to the Commission of Inquiry in 1904 innumerable outrages perpetrated upon the natives in 1902 and 1903. Evidence suppressed. Published by the CRA last year. Summary. Natives flogged and shot for shortage in rubber. Names, dates, etc. given in great detail. They are all specific cases, of which this is a type went to report murder of his mother by sentries, cruelly treated by sentries in consequence, beaten by sentries during a two-weeks stay in prison, sent back to village, died two days later. Men, women, and children given in the lists of the murdered, punishment for delay in rubber production. Harris, J. H., Mrs. Harris, Padfield, Charles, Stannard, Edgar, all testified before Commission of Inquiry of Atrocities and General Oppression and Ill-Treatment Antecedent to 1904. Evidence Suppressed, published in summarized form by C.R.A., 1905. Records in 1904 and 1905 1904 was chiefly remarkable for the voluminous and appalling accounts sent home by the missionaries on the ABIR concession, Messrs. John Harris, Herbert Frost, Edgar Stannard, and Charles Padfield, all of the Congo Balolo Mission. Voluminous, detailed, and terrible narratives from the first three named of these gentlemen were published in the CRA organ for August 1904, and for many months to come information was regularly supplied by them to the author, and supplied by the author to the world's press. The public is sufficiently familiar with these reports, which have moreover been confirmed by the report of the Commission of Inquiry, to absolve me from quoting from them. It suffices to say that they are concerned exclusively with the atrocities committed by the ABIR company in forcing rubber from the natives of the country. At the close of 1905, the Commission of Inquiry began its ascent of the upper river, and Messrs. Billington, Clark, Grenfell, Scrivener, Gilchrist, Mr. and Mrs. Harris, Stannard, Ruskin, Gammon, Mr. and Mrs. Lower, Mr. Padfield, and Weeks testified before it. Their evidence was suppressed, but summaries, in some cases lengthy summaries, were published in 1905 by the Congo Reform Association. On August 4, 1905, Sir Charles Dilke again brought the Congo question forward on the Foreign Office vote. Earl Percy, replying for the then government, stated that Consul Mackey was not allowed to see the depositions of the witnesses, but that he had sent home extracts from some of the evidence given at the later sittings. This report of Consul Mackey's was suppressed by the British government, and every attempt to have it produced has hitherto failed an incident which is curious, to say the least. Further evidence was supplied in the course of 1904 from other regions. Writing to the author on May 17, Mr. Weeks gave details of the treatment of three prominent chiefs of his district in connection with incidents arising out of the food taxes. 
two or three chiefs were placed in the chains, and died in them from ill-treatment after a few weeks' incarceration. The third was a fortnight in the chains, and was fined ten pounds because his village had failed to trap a bush-pig, part of the fortnightly tax levied by the adjoining government station. On May 27th, Mr. Scrivener, in a letter to the author, described another journey into the Domaine de la Couronne, peopled by some wretched survivors of the rubber-hunting orgies in the Lake District. He gave abundant details, as usual, of men and women shot, women tied up and thrown into the river, etc. Then ensued a series of massacres which would be incredible were it not for so much of a like character that has been proved only too true. The district is now a waste. Mr. Whiteside of the Congo Balolo Mission sent a long letter to the Belfast News, 21st of October, describing the condition of the Lolanga towns. Much Italian evidence was produced in 1905, chiefly from the Eastern District, and led to stormy scenes in the Italian chamber. A long letter to the author from a missionary correspondent in the Katanga District also came to hand. Unhappily the writer was terrified, not unnaturally from the details given, lest his name should appear, which deprives his evidence of some of its weight in the public estimation. The letter was published in the CRA organ for September 1904. It describes the usual proceedings, girls raped and carried off by King Leopold's officials, chiefs degraded and shot, forced labor, oppression and cruelty rampant. A further memorial to Congress from the American Missionary Society, stated January 16, 1905, contains more evidence from American missionaries. Mr. Charles H. Harvey reports, The dreadful form of rubber collecting has, among other evils, introduced a form of slavery of the worst possible kind. No man's time, liberty, property, person, wife, or child is his own. His position is worse than that of the sheep or goats of the white man. Even the dreadful horrors of the middle passage are completely put in the shade by deliberate, demon-like acts of atrocity. Mr. H. W. Kirby reports, I've just returned to Lukonga after visiting our fifteen mission stations. The population is decreasing, and during the last twenty years have decreased very rapidly. The first cause of the decrease he attributes to fighting with the state. He says, the further away from publicity, the greater the atrocities. I have heard much. I could tell much, but you know enough. A white officer forcing a native to drink from the water closet, shooting down handcuffed men, the employment of fierce cannibal soldiers that terrorize the people, shooting down twenty men to pay for a lost dog. The judgment of the Boma Appeal Court in the Codron case was published by the Congo Reform Association in May 1904. It showed the state of affairs prevailing in the territories of the Anversois Trust to be similar in all respects to that which obtained when Lacroix and his co-adjutors were performing their civilizing deeds, and it showed the complicity of the supreme executive in these deeds. Vida Section 4 Letters from the Kasai to the author disclosed further risings of the natives against the rubber demands made upon them. 
these risings have since assumed larger proportions. Mr. T. Ackermann, a Swiss, described in a report sent to Herr Ludwig Deuss, a highly respected merchant of Hamburg, who has labored manfully in Germany for the cause of Congo reform, atrocities committed in 1902 and 1903 at Flambi, Fakisuli, etc., Lomami district. Each case stated in great detail, and some of them peculiarly horrible. If the chief does not bring the stipulated number of baskets, soldiers are sent out, and the people are killed without mercy. As proof, parts of the body are brought to the factory. How often have I watched heads and hands being carried into the factory? Herr Dius sent a copy of the report to the German government, and I transmitted a copy to the British and American governments, published, minus the names of individuals, in the West African Mail. March 3, 1905. 1905 was notable also for the publication of confidential circulars and regulations issued by agents of the ABIR Society Company to their agents, proving the complicity of the Home Administration in the taking of hostages and other concomitant of the rubber slave trade. Evidence to hand since the Commission of Inquiry visited the country. No sooner was the back of the Commission of Inquiry turned than the regime they had described as wholly illegal and atrocious was again in full swing, and continues today all over the Congo, as it must do, of course, just as long as England and Europe allow it. King Leopold's claim to the land, its products, and its people have not been abrogated but declared afresh, hence the system under which those claims are upheld has not altered one iota except for the worse. The last information may be briefly summarized. Of course, and unhappily, it only touches a tiny fringe of the vast Congo. For the rest, where there are no informants, the student is thrown back for positive evidence upon the admissions of the Belgian papers. These testify to a grave rising in the Ituri region where gold has recently been discovered. Private information received by the author is to the effect that three months ago troops were concentrating from all sides at Stanley Falls to deal with this rising. French advices from the Congo state that King Leopold's troops have been repulsed with the loss of two officers and eighty men. Belgian papers tell us that five hundred soldiers are being dispatched. Those papers also admit risings on the Kasai, the Kwango, and the Busira. In short, the same situation obtains as has existed since the decree of 1891, which inaugurated the rubber slave trade. On January 17, 1905, Mr. Harris writes to the Vice-Governor-General, who committed suicide when the Commission returned to Boma from their investigations, giving a long list of atrocities perpetrated in the Nsongomboyo district, which he had just visited also the names of seventy-three adults, including many women, and a number of children killed by sentries in that district. On April 4th, Mr. Stannard writes to the author stating that the director of the ABIR had repudiated the commission's findings and intends to continue as before. Mr. Harris writes to the district commissioner on April 10th, pointing out a recrudescence of the rubber slave trade giving details of raids by sentries upon villages. Vain protests. Matters go on in the old way. Mr. Stannard, 
writing to the author in the same month, says, The devil's work is in full swing again. Further letters from Harris to the district commissioner describing the raiding of Bolomboloco, massacre, hostage-taking, rape, and so on. All last year and during the present year, up to a few days ago, the author, as Honorary Secretary of the Congo Reform Association, has been engaged in sending reports to the Foreign Office, proving the prevalence of the same condition of things, and not only from the ABIR district, but from the river banks in the domaine privé. The journey of Mr. Whiteside and Mr. Stannard in the upper Lomaco will be fresh in the public mind. There have been visits of high commissioners, inspectors, and the governor-general since the commission left the Congo. The only result has been an aggravation of existing ills, and one new feature, the persecution of the missionaries in a determined effort to browbeat them into silence. Massacre, outrage, rapine, the river of blood flows on, and the river of gold flows in. Since the above was written, evidence has continued to accumulate. The Times published a long letter from Mr. Freshfield, covering extracts of letters received by him from the British and Italian expedition now exploring Rowensori and showing oppression, misrule, and brutality in the Samliki region, N.E. area, domaine privé. A considerable amount of information has reached me from the Tanganyaka region, Katanga Trust, proving beyond doubt the existence, with the knowledge and complicity of the officials, of the old-fashioned slave trade by Arabised chiefs protected by the authorities. In the name of humanity, will not the German government disclose the reports it has received from its officials in East Africa on this subject? Mr. Charles Bond, see above, sends detailed reports of an aggravation of the food taxes round Lolanga since the Governor-General's visit. End of section 10